0: School, school's starting again. What kind of things do parents want for their children as school restarts? Well, they listed about 20 items, and I was sort of shocked about the things that were on the list of things that parents wanted for their kids as school restarts. Number four on the list was enough time to eat lunch. Number six on the list was opportunities to drink water. Number seven on the list was quiet corners where they can go if they need a break. Number 11 was free time where kids can just be kids and run around. On that list, there wasn't a single reference to learning math or science. And the only thing on that list of 20 things parents want for their kids as school starts, the only thing on that list that mentioned reading was that they wanted their reading assignments to be more culturally appropriate. I don't know about you, but that that survey uh, may speak volumes about our education system and some of the problems that we are facing in regards to our education system. I'm just pointing that out though to say parents do have in mind things they want for their kids. What human parents want for their kids is not always necessarily the best things. But I think parents do spend some time thinking about what they want for their kids. They have such desires. Well, if you understand that, then you would not be surprised. I know you are not surprised at all to know that your heavenly father has things he wants for you. Just like a human father has things he wants for his child... Our Heavenly Father has things that He wants for us. And so in our lesson this morning, we want to look for a few minutes at what I will identify as five things that God wants for you. Now, as we were just saying, human fathers have probably flawed ideals for their children. But what our God in Heaven wants for us is perfect. And so we can take some Real consolation in knowing what God wants for us. And we're going to look at that in our lesson here just briefly. Thank you for being with us this morning. We've got a beautiful Lord's Day in Middle Tennessee and a great blessing and privilege to be able to come together to worship God. Uh, We are encouraged by your presence and participation in this time of worship. Thank you for being here this morning. To our many visitors, thanks for coming. Please come again every time you have a chance. And we're always open to your questions If you have a question about what we're doing here at College View, and if you were to say, why do you do that and why do you do it that way, our goal would be to give you an answer based in the Bible, a book, chapter, and verse, a thus saith the Lord answer. We're trying to base our teaching and practices uh, upon Bible authority. And so if you have such questions, by all means, you are invited to ask them, and we will try to give you an answer. Thanks for being here today. What are some of the things... That God wants for you? Well, first of all, I would suggest that he wants you to simply know and understand him. Many people think that God is real mysterious, hard to comprehend. He's distant. He's unreachable. And if you could know more about God, what you would find out about him is that he is mean and he's like a a tyrant he's a he's a nasty ogre that's that's what god is that's the way god is talking about school starting back and and talking about maybe a mean authoritarian teacher in school did you ever have one of those i don't remember much about first grade first grade was way back there for me a long time ago but i do remember my first grade teacher that if you acted out she had this big red pencil that she used to grade papers, and if you acted out, she would actually whack you across the knuckles with her red pen. She was mean. She was a mean lady. I think some people have the view of God that God is like that, really. You know, that's just the way God... No. God, that is not a true picture of God, and we need to know that. We, he wants us to know and understand Him as a loving, heavenly Father. In Jeremiah chapter nine, verse twenty-four, it says, "Let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth." God says, "I want you to know me. I want you to know that I'm a God of love and justice and righteousness." Uh, if if we investigate, we realize that God is a good and ultimately. Loving Heavenly Father. In Psalm 34, verse 8, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Notice, taste and see. You check it out. Find out for yourself because really that's what God wants. He wants you to know him. He wants you to understand the kind of being that he is. And so, first of all, just get a, he wants you to have a proper picture of him. God wants that. Furthermore, God wants us to be able to put the past behind and be saved eternally. I believe if you could really identify God's most ardent desire for us, it's for our eternal salvation. As we were saying in our Bible class here in the auditorium this morning, we tend to measure things based upon physical Realities and so if i've got money if i've got good health, if i've been able to enjoy recreation and eat, eat, entertainment and various kinds, then all is good. but the problem with that kind of an outlook, of course, is that all of that passes ultimately right money, health entertainment recreation all those kind of things pass, but heaven is forever, and that's what God really ultimately wants for you and me he wants us to be able to put behind us our past failures and when we talk about putting the past behind us then that of course especially addresses the problem of sin God wants us to be able to put our sins behind us and he wants us to be saved eternally In the reading that Gage read for us earlier in 1st Timothy chapter 1 beginning verse 12 Paul talks about himself and he actually uses himself as an example of how abundant God is in his ability to forgive and to bless spiritually. Read this again. Paul says, I thank him who has given me strength, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. So Paul is recalling his former life, right? And we've studied his former life plenty of times. And we know he was exactly what he described himself to be there, uh, a blasphemer, a persecutor, an opponent of the cause of Christ. We think there in those early chapters of Acts that he was probably, if if not the principal persecutor of the church, he was certainly one of the most active persecutors of the church. And so he goes on. Paul says this is a trustworthy and this is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinner of whom I am the foremost. Paul, Paul viewed himself that way. I, you talk about a sinner. He said, I'm the worst of sinners. And he was thinking back to that time when he had been such an aggressive persecutor of Christians. But notice he says, But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. You get the idea of what Paul's saying there? I believe he's basically saying... If I can be saved, anybody can be saved. If God through His Son, Jesus Christ, could put my past behind me, if He could forgive me of all that I have done, if I could be granted the opportunity of eternal salvation in heaven, if it can happen for me, it can happen for anybody. I stand as an example of that. I believe that's the argument that Paul is making there in that passage. In Philippians chapter 3, a text I think you know well, Philippians 3, beginning verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Even Paul, who had persecuted Christians, thrown them in jail, caused some of them to be put to death. We know he was there at the stoning of Stephen, remember, in Acts chapter 7. If Paul says, I can put those things behind me, That's what God wanted for Paul, but that's what he wants for us too. He wants us to be able to put the past behind, be forgiven of our past sins, and have that hope of eternity in heaven. He really wants that for you and for me. I believe a third thing that we can say that God wants is that he wants us to have a good life now. So I know, and we talk about this a good bit, when we talk about eternity up here, everybody says, okay, I understand that. Maybe maybe get to go to heaven when this life is over. But this life, this life is just pure misery. This is going to be a horrible existence. If I try to live like a Christian, I'm going to be deprived of everything good. If I try to live that life so that I can go to heaven, okay, heaven, I understand about heaven. But what about now? And so I'm going to just live this wretched, miserable existence. I'm not going to be able to do the, the the wonderful things that other people get to do. I'm not going to be able to go out drinking and carousing. Uh, and there's rules about lying and stealing and cheating. I won't be able to do that sort of thing. And, and I'll have to be faithful to my one wife. And so all of this is going to inhibit me and hold me back. And I'm just going to be miserable. My life is going to be ruined maybe I can go to heaven, but right now things are going to be terrible. Wrong. And you know that's all wrong, right? That's just all wrong. That is not the right way to look at that. If you went back through that list of things that I just mentioned, so I'm not going to be able to go out drinking. That doesn't make my life worse. That makes my life better. Drinking alcohol doesn't bring any good thing to anybody's life. Just heartache and misery comes by those who... Use alcohol. Lying and stealing and cheating. I'm, my life is not enriched by lying, stealing and cheating. In fact, I bring a lot of grief upon myself if I engage in those kind of things. And faithful to my one wife. Who are the most happy and fulfilled people that you know? In regard, Especially in regards to personal relationships. It's those who have had a long, happy, married life together, right? God's plans for our good. Uh, And do you see it? And so not only does He want me to be able to go to heaven eternally, but He wants me to have a good life now. I'm going to throw out a couple verses that I know you know, and we reference them pretty often. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24, as Moses was recounting the law that God wanted Israel to live by, he says, so the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always and for our survival as it is this day. A very basic concept about what God does for us by way of law is that he designs our, his law for our good. This is not to punish us. His laws are not so that he can be mean and oppressive to us. His laws to us are to protect us, to guard us, to keep us from trouble in this life. You know well also First Timothy 4 verse 8, bodily exercise profit little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. But notice this, godliness is profitable. It has promise now. It's good for us right now. And so uh, God wants that for you. Not only that ultimately you could come to heaven to live there eternally, but that you could have the best and most fulfilling life right now. God wants that for you. I want to suggest to you that God also wants you to have positive influence on future generations. If you go back for a minute and think about that introduction where we were talking about what parents want for their kids... All right thinking parents should want their kids to grow up to be good people with with high morals with deeply rooted values all parents should want their children to grow up to be good people and live good lives i mean that just now i'm not saying that's true in every case i think there's some parents who simply don't care but Those who are right-thinking want to raise their kids to be good, moral people with deep values. Well, that's what God wants too. God wants people to live positive lives that influence others for good, uh, influence present generations and future generations for good. And, And I really believe that his plan is designed that way. Look again at Deuteronomy, and we remember that the book of Deuteronomy basically is sort of a lengthy farewell address by Moses uh, to the children of Israel. He, he's led them out of uh, Egyptian bondage. He brought them through the wilderness. His life is just about over, and he's given them some final words of instruction. And pretty much that's what we find recorded in the book of Deuteronomy and a lot of retelling of God's rules and God's law. But notice here in Deuteronomy 4, verse 9, only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life most make them known to your children to your children's children so way back then paul or uh, moses rather said it's important for you for you personally to remember but also for you to be instruct, instructing your children and your grandchildren and be an positive influence on them. We know the Apostle Paul had a really strong affection for the young man, Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he said, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure it dwells in you as well. When Paul thought about Timothy, he, he remembered Timothy's sincere faith But he also remembered that his grandmother and his mother had been people of faith. And so here, and we're going to read another statement here just a little bit later in in 2 Timothy. Paul was crediting a lot of what Timothy was on the influence that his mother and his grandmother had had upon him. In fact, look at chapter 3, verse 14, beginning. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. You think Timothy turned out to be the good person that he was just by coincidence, just accidentally, Timothy turned out to be such a fine, devoted individual as he was? Paul doesn't seem to indicate that, does he? And remember, he's writing by inspiration. And in conjunction with the sincere faith of Timothy, he says, I remember it was that this kind of faith was in your grandmother and your mother before you. And that from a child you were taught. Well, Paul didn't teach Timothy from a child. Paul was a strong influence on Timothy later in life. But from childhood, who was it that had influenced and instructed Timothy? His grandmother and his mother. They were the ones. That's what God wants us to do as well. Our children will not grow up to be faithful Christians, devoted disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ just by accident. You know, sometimes I've heard people actually say, so you, you, here's a family and, and, and they, uh, their children are faithful. And I actually have, had, have heard other people say about that family, you're lucky You're lucky that your children are faithfully serving the Lord. No, it's not luck. I'm here to tell you it's not luck. It doesn't happen accidentally. And the only way it's going to happen is if we take it upon ourselves to be strong, positive influences for our children and our grandchildren. And God wants that. He He wants us to live the good life, have the hope of heaven, and in the process of that life that we live, have a positive influence on future generations. Finally, let me suggest to you that God wants you to know that he is on your side. Well, someone says, everything that you've mentioned is all well and good. But I want to tell you about God. What God really is looking for is a chance to squash me like a bug you know Uh, he's just hoping that he'll find a chance to condemn me Uh, God takes delight in punishing people and he and, and what he's hoping is that I'll mess up in such a fashion that he'll be able to punish me too what a mistaken view of God that is God does God wants you to know that's not the case He wants you to know that he's on your side. He's fully supportive. And he blesses you as you seek to do his will in this life. Have you ever had, I know you have, and I challenge you to think back about someone in your life, either past or present, that you feel is so fully supportive of you. That I mean, they're there. When when you need a hand one way or another, be it a physical matter, you know, you need some help on a physical job that you're trying to achieve, or whether you just need the the emotional and spiritual support that that we all need from time to time. And, and in your mind, you can think about this person who who is that to you now or has been that to you in the past, someone who is always there supporting you. You knew, you didn't ever even doubt that that person was there for you, supportive of you in every way. Can you think of such a person? I think surely all of us can. Well, if you can do that, if you can think of a, uh, another person who is thus supportive, then you've just got a hint of a picture about how God is toward you. God is on your side. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can draw near... To God's throne. Is that an amazing thing to you? We've talked about that lots, but I still just, every time I read that, I'm just shocked to think, here's the God of heaven, and He wants me to come before Him at His throne. As we've studied before, you know, earthly kings, you didn't go before their throne uninvited. If you showed up in the king's court and you hadn't been summoned to the king's court, you, you were at risk of being struck down dead on the spot. You remember when Mordecai challenged Queen Esther to go before the king on behalf of the Jews? She says, I can't go. He hasn't, he hasn't summoned me. He had not called me. I'm not welcome. She was the queen. And even the queen said, I can't go before his throne if he hasn't asked me to be there. That's the way it is with earthly kings, not with our king in heaven. God, our Father, wants us to come before his throne. Come before his throne with confidence. He's on our side he will give help in time of need. God's on our side. He wants you to know that and he wants you to sense that. In Romans chapter 8 verse 31, what shall we what shall we then say to these things if God be for us who can be against us? Well, there's the question, right? If God's on our side, who could possibly resist? No, but then he then he, he proves that statement. If God is for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how should He not with Him also freely give us all things? Get that. He spared not His own Son. If He didn't spare His Son on our behalf, how could He prove more fully that He is on our side? He gave His own Son for us. And so here's some things that God wants for you and He wants for me. And I hope that you agree that these are really positive things that we should feel good about. And we need to take advantage of these things. All of these things are things that God wants, but he's not going to force these things upon us. He's not going to force us to know him or understand him. He wants us to. And he's he's revealed himself to us in so many adequate ways. He wants us to put the past, especially our sinful past, behind us and be saved eternally. But right now, he wants to bless us with the good life and live in such a way that we can influence our children and our children's children positively and to know ultimately that he is on our side as we live this life. Those are all good things that God wants for us. But all of those require that we take advantage of that. He's not going to force that upon us. He holds it out as an, as a, an offer and we can have it. Have you availed yourself of the wonderful promises of God? Have you become a Christian? If you've not yet become a Christian, then the things we've been talking about this morning don't apply to you until you make the decision to accept what God is offering. If you're not a Christian yet, we hope you make the decision to obey that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess. Be baptized for the remission of sins. We'd be glad to assist in your obedience. We'd be glad to study more with you. How can we help you in that way? If you're a Christian already, the kind of things we've been talking about is what God wants for you, but you may have turned your back on that, and you may not have been taking advantage of these things. And if that's the case, we beg you to come back to him as a child of God in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know Always we stand the same.